Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox and Dan, prep the helicopter. We must go to Thailand. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner and Anna, eight-year-olds hear everything. <laughs> Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of evolutionary biology and continental drift. We both went very literal for our not even quite theories that we're applying today. <laughs> This is the kind of movie that makes you go pretty literal, Anna. There's, there's, there's not a lot of layers in it. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's like that. There's sea layers. There's, there's sea layers, but there's yeah. thermal layers. But what are we talking about? What is it? The kind of movie that you can't be anything but literal about. It is. We are talking about the Meg. It's available to watch on. I almost did it again. Max. It's available on. Max. Max. Yes. Max. Not the other thing that it used to be, but no. Max. Not not the streaming service formerly known as HBO Max, but Max. Oh, ding! You have to pay a screenwriter. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's available other places, too. We are also going to be talking about, Dan... Meg 2, The Trench. And then some other stuff. We've, we've, we're kind of in a free, loosey-goosey area of the schedule that, you know, mm -hmm. it's summer. We're, we're still figuring things out. It's that we might have a period. summer wrap. Yeah, I think we're going to be doing a summer wrap-up episode of stuff that we haven't really talked about explicitly but want to get to, you know, things like Season 2 of Foundation and Strange New Worlds and Secret Invasion, what have you. We, we might do that. Been loving Strange New Worlds. It's yes. Did you catch? Did you watch the crossover episode? I did. I did. I did, it and was, I think it, it might have sold me on lower decks. I am glad to hear that, Anna. Which I had, I had tried on your recommendation and not really just got into it. It, yeah. it had not clicked, but mm -hmm. that episode was was really wonderful. It, it, oh, that's good. Very charming. But this would be a good time for people to suggest stuff if, if they mm -hmm. had suggestions. And you know, Anna, the, the way to suggest stuff, I mean, there are lots of ways you can get in touch with us, but the best way to get in touch with us on this very question is to access our Discord channel. And the proper way to access that Discord channel is to become a patron. Nay, if the you go, only way. Yes, that's correct. You can't buy your way onto the Discord channel. Well, you literally channel. can buy, actually. You can, but you have to actually become a patron. Yes, Like, you yes. can't do it. We will not accept side payments. You're not going to be able to bribe <laughs> us. You actually just have to officially become a patron. You've got to own your patronage on it. And so if you go to patreon.com slash space the nation for as little as $3 a month, you can become a patron, get access to the discord, get early access to podcasts, get access to our monthly AUAs, get access to our newsletters. There's merch in a sort of theoretical concept slash okay. conceptual it's been thing. It's three years working on it, working on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say it. Tell your friends and neighbors if otherwise, you know, rate and review our show. All of that is really yes. good. But if you need to get in touch with us, Anna, how can they do that? Well, if, if they're not going to become a patron, which mm -hmm. is the best way. Anna, what, is, what are other ways that our listeners can get in touch with us? The suboptimal ways. Suboptimal you know, ways. Do not involve. Yes. It's probably via social media, Dan. Mm -hmm. Speaking of suboptimal, like things that are suboptimal. <laughs> yes. These days. It's just a thick toxic soup out there on and i are both on blue sky we are both on mastodon i still lurk on twitter i am at all these things at uh, the end which again what what are you what do you lurk on oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> i apologize i i lurk on <laughs> x I, I, I am so mad you made me say that anna i'm so mad about that yes 
I, I'm just calling it Twitter. I'm sorry. It's like it's like it's like being asked to call the Sears Tower the Willits Tower. I know it's called the Willits Tower formally. I'm still calling it the goddamn or, Sears Tower. Okay. Or HBO Max Max. It's sort of like that. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I am also on Instagram. Dan is not on Instagram because he doesn't like cute animals. I guess I don't know. Like, but if you like cute animals, I am on Instagram mainly to show off my cute animals. Mm-hmm. Also, other cool stuff in my life, like what I've seen on my run these days. Ooh, okay. Before it gets to be 100 degrees out here mm-hmm. in Austin, I go on runs. Um, I found a pair of star-spangled bannered underwear the other day out of my run. So nice, okay. good stuff. And also, I have a website. <laughs> I believe it is called www.annamariecox.com. That's right. Spelled the same way, pronounced a little bit different. I teach a writing workshop that'll be starting up against in the fall. And Dan, you do other stuff in addition to being a podcaster. I have a Substack. It's called Dresner's World. I'm also on Threads at Real Dan Dresner. I occasionally write for you know outlets, and and as does Anna. Yep. So you know, we'll outlets. let you know when those things come out. Outlets. Yes. Yeah, it's all media. Outlets. It's just all. It's just all media. Yep. One big all speaking of toxic nothing. soup of things. <laughs> uh, speaking of toxic soup of things, Dan, how are you? I'm actually doing well. Anna, and I'm going to say something. I think by the time this podcast comes out, this isn't going to sound extraordinary, but at the time we are recording it, this is extraordinary. I've completed my fall syllabi. <gasps> yes. Which, let me put it this way. Like, this, this is actually triggering to fellow academics because, you know, it, you would think that with months to prepare that we would actually <laughs> would be think. done with our fall syllabi. No, it winds up always usually being a mad scramble in the second half of August because we're all busy trying to write other stuff and so forth. And so I actually had some fun on Blue Sky saying, you know, people can sometimes say toxic things here too. For example, I'm done with my syllabi and all my academic friends just so pissed off by that. It was great. It was worth it. How well, that's great, Dan. Any, anything particularly interesting on your syllabi? You would, you teach some interesting uh, classes sometimes into the world, whatnot. So I, t- I this this fall I'll be teaching two courses. One is on global political economy. The other is power and theory and practice, which is a seminar course. It, not so it, many zombie movies then. Not so many like cool. No, stuff no, sorry for the, it, for the podcast. But I am me. teaching the end of the world course in the spring of twenty twenty four. So we that that'll come up then. All right, cool. How are you, Anna? I'm pretty good. It is murderously hot here. Mm-hmm in Austin, Texas. However, I got an e-bike recently. Ooh, how's that going? It's great. And it is hot, but uh, I've been riding it in the mornings. I'm going to go going to go into my Pilates class via my e-bike, which sounds weird, but. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at that. Like, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's like the whitest thing I can possibly do. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to say this, our previous episode was they cloned Tyrone, and I, I almost thought one of the conversations I wanted to have about that was, what are the white people things that are the equivalent of fried chicken that would be used to, to brainwash white people? And my thought was Pilates and kale. So, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Although, well, that doesn't quite work for the reasons that we talked about in the episode, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. But but yes, that, but taking my e-bike to Pilates, if I'd only had gone to, like a, get, to get a juice... At some point, there you go. that would have made it the tri- white person trifecta. That, but that's true. You know, as an old lady, pedal mm-hmm. assist is a real, real winner. Like I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. I enjoy being able to go on the bike ride and do Pilates, like, and then not both of them like wiping me out. Anyway, e-bikes. That's good. Great things, not just for old people, probably. <laughs> Excellent. 
Why are we talking about the Meg, Dan? Anna, I don't think we've done a Jason Statham vehicle on this podcast. And, you know, if we're going to discuss The Rock and Vin Diesel and Butler Vember vehicles, it only makes sense, you know, that we include, you know, Jason Statham, particularly because he's, you know, a Fast and Furious compadre of Vin Diesel and The Rock. Also, it's the summer, and this is a film about a big, dumb shark chasing big, dumb people. I mean, this is our wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Well, we I think regular listeners know how I feel about big, dumb things. I love them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had one of those things as my husband. Once. So... <laughs> And I, I loved I loved him very much until I didn't. But big and dumb, right. my jam. And Excellent. I was I was I've seen this and I was excited to see it again. I enjoyed it again mm-hmm. second time around. It's not quite as enjoyable. Right. I have to say I think this is one of those films where I think I enjoy, I enjoyed it a lot the first time. You know, it, it. But also I think I enjoyed it because I watched it in a theater with other people. I think there's something enjoyable about watching this and laughing at it to some extent with other people. Yeah. So, Dan, next question. Will this podcast ruin the movie for people? Nah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) no. First of all, let's be blunt. We're not talking about, you know, Citizen Kane on the sea here. There's a there is one big plot twist, I suppose, that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a legitimate plot. It's not the most surprising plot twist, but it's a plot twist. You know, otherwise, we're going to describe stuff, but really, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Or disbelieve it. Now, I would say that if you want Mm -hmm. to enjoy this movie to the maximum that you can, like to the max, to the max, as it were, to the the limit it can be enjoyed, first of all, you should watch it with other people. Yes. And Mm. you should watch it before listening to the podcast. And I do think it's an enjoyable movie. I I think that it's a good laundry folder. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Well said. Yes, yes. Previous experience, Dan, you you referenced having seen it in the theater. I did. I, in fact, took my daughter to see this because my daughter shares my love for big, dumb movies. Our, um, our love, Dan. Our love for big, dumb movies, particularly in, in my daughter Lauren's case, it's not just big, dumb movies. It's also big, dumb movies that feature large animals. So, like, she also is a huge fan of Rampage with The Rock and you know anything that has a dragon feature, in it, probably yeah yeah it, yeah it is pacific rim you know anything with kaijus in it so this fit you know this scratch that itch and i'm going to take her when we go see you know meg to the trench so yeah so what about you anna i i saw this movie i don't know i don't think i saw it in the theater but i remember when it came out i remember it mostly because do you remember the first meg movie dan it's on Discovery Channel during Shark Week. No, no, I don't. It was a documentary. Oh, okay. this, it was the tenth anniversary of a hoax that the Discovery Channel did for Shark Week, where they did a documentary, quote unquote, documentary about the discovery of a Meg. Oh no, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. And it fooled some people. Of course, it did. One of them being my ex-husband. <laughs> I remember (laughs) like being in the apartment doing something and him like calling to me from the TV room being like, Oh my God, Anna, you have to come and see this. Like there's this prehistoric shark they've discovered. And I was like, name withheld. 
this is a <laughs> this is not a real documentary. He's like, no, it's a Discovery <laughs> Channel. Oh uh, yeah, that's that, that. Actually, is a problem when when either Nat, National Geographic or Discovery Channel or one of those does that because like. And I was remember trying. I was trying channels. to like sort of like how do you explain like the the tells to someone really? Where I'm like, no, it's just not. You just it's just not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number one, <laughs> number two. There's all these little things about it. Like there's this like visual vocabulary. Like, yeah, it's hard to articulate exactly what tells you something is a hoax. But anyway, big and dumb. That's how I like them, Dan. <laughs> We'll be talking about that more a little bit later on. Yes. Let's get to the story behind the story. I'm just assuming that someone went to Hollywood and said, we've got an idea. Jason Statham plus a big dumb CGI shark plus references to China. And the money just started rolling in. Am I mistaken about this? You are mistaken, Dan. I am shocked by that. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was in development hell for like years. Really? Years and years and years. Yeah. Wow. It was also at one point attached to Guillermo del Toro, which I find Oh wow. You know? Oh, now I kind of want to know what, <laughs> what del Toro would have done with this. Because, you know, this was enjoyable, but that would have been Yeah, amazing. instead he did the fish fucking movie. I can't remember the name <laughs> yes. of. The, the, the Shape of Water. Yeah, yes. that one. I'm going to be sorry about The Shape of Water. No, this this is based on a book called Meg, a novel of deep terror, which was published in. <laughs> <laughs> is it actually Meg, a novel of deep terror? Is that actually the subtitle? It of the is. Novel? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. That's great. Okay. And it really was... should have done the book. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was published yeah. in 1997 by Steve Altine, who. Okay. Just by my read of the documentary evidence out there seems like a real character that is what i will say sure he has a newsletter he has a blog he has lots of ideas about things that should be made into movies he tried to write the script himself (laughs) didn't work out in 2005 reports surfaced that the project was being developed by new line cinema with a budget Mm -hmm. of 75 million to be released Mm -hmm. the next year jean (laughs) de bont as the director Guillermo oh, del Toro okay. as the producer and Shane Salerno as the screenwriter. These are all like Oscar nominees in there. Although Shane Salerno might be best known as the writer of Avatar. So, <laughs> although, hey, lots of water lovers. Yeah. Here. You know, that's yeah. totally fine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The project was canceled for budget and script concerns. <laughs> and, and then it was uh, moved to Warner Brothers and attached to Eli Roth as a director. Oh, God. I'm, I'm just amazed at all the different directors that could have made this. Eli Roth. Eli Roth. I, mean, wow. I guess it would have been a lot bloodier. That is my guess. Oh, yeah. There would have been so much more gore. Good Lord. Yeah. So eventually it's made. Um, uh, was a huge hit, mm-hmm. a, as you uh, may remember. Which brings mm-hmm. me to a question, Dan. Yes, Anna. Was there IR in the making of this movie? Anna? There is more IR in the making of this film than there is in this film, as we will discuss much later. Because, is it like a oh, shark man. eating a, a smaller shark? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. The <laughs> IR in the making of this film would totally devour the IR that's in the, the IR in this film is like a tiny little morsel. It's like Pippin. Yeah. That's that's the way I would put Aww. it. Uh, you might have noticed in the film, Anna, 
that it is, how would I put this, very China-friendly. There's, right? some, there's some nice, there's some shots of China. There's a famous, there's some a shots couple of, China? of famous Chinese actors. There are major protagonists, you know, there, there's actual dialogue in Mandarin. The finale is at Sanya Bay and so forth. That is because while you are correct that Warner Brothers wound up making it, it was actually a co-production between Warner Brothers and Gravity Pictures in China, which also meant it, it enabled it to be a domestic release in China. Hollywood films very often have had difficulties in terms of trying to release in mainland China. They have often adjusted their scripts to try to please mainland China, or in some cases like Top Gun Maverick have just said, fuck off. <laughs> but did the Chinese you know, audience notice this in terms of the production of the film? Oh, yes. In fact, they even joked, you know, on Weibo, there was a lot of conversation about this film. They joked that even the shark kills were pro-China. Basically, a lot of people thought that, in essence, the when, when the Meg kills the Westerners, it's more gory and there's more blood. Whereas when the Meg goes to Sanya Bay, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, it, it seems much more bloodless. They were, they were very aware of that. And that said, this is what folks like uh, my colleagues Victor Chan and Andy Lim dislike about China's market. They, in fact, call this predatory liberalism <laughs> in your article. I'm not joking. <laughs> Their term is predatory liberalism in an article in the Washington Quarterly. Their basically claim is, is that China's market is so large that it forces corporations to genuflect to China's geopolitical preferences. Now, this film doesn't really do that. It's just basically kind of nice towards China. But there are like things like airlines, for example, having to put the nine-dash line in their maps of their flight schedules and so forth. And they will do that because the nine China's dash telling line. <laughs> well, the nine dash line is a, Oh, Anna, this has been a controversy surrounding Barbie. I know. I know. I know, know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So don't, we'll talk about that. Put that weird cartoon map line in the wrong yeah, place. Yeah. Damn it. The, the important thing to realize, however, is that in this case, it worked. The film did extremely well in international markets, particularly mainland China. So, in this case, yes, this is an example of Hollywood trying to, you know, worm its way into the mainland Chinese market. I think in this case, the fact that it was a joint venture with Gravity Pictures made it easier. And in fact, the Chinese seemed like it. In fact, Gravity Pictures, I think, was trying to develop a Meg franchise. And I don't know if we'll talk about this more when we talk about the Meg, too. But this is definitely something where the strategy worked in terms of making money. I thought it was interesting. There was an article about just the talent part of these mm -hmm. arrangements yeah. and that things have shifted in since the Meg was made. Oh in, yeah, absolutely. In that the power dynamic between Hollywood and China, just on the acting and star level, like it used to be mm -hmm. that if Hollywood wanted a Chinese actor in a film, they'd be like, sure. Yes. Like they're desperate to like get into Hollywood mm -hmm. movies. And now it's not that now it's not quite tables are turned, but that right. Chinese actors are a lot more picky about, what they're going to be in in Hollywood. I would say good for them. I would also say, however, the power dynamic has also shifted between Hollywood and China in the sense of Hollywood is somewhat less interested now in accessing the Chinese market, in part because the Chinese government has become much more censorious in the five years since I think this film got made. I could be right on about that. And so we're at the point now, and like the success of something like Top Gun Maverick is suggesting to Hollywood that they're just sort of throwing up their hands in some cases and saying it's just not worth catering to the Chinese market in some ways, because even if they do so, China doesn't necessarily allow the film to be made anywhere or allow the film to be released within China. Anyway. Maybe the so, Chinese actors are, are getting better. That like, yeah. They recognize their own value. It's a good labor story. Dan. And I don't have a problem with that. Good for them. Yes. There are many, many Meg novels, Dan. 
Really? Yeah. All written by the same dude? All written by the same dude. There is Meg, wow. a novel of deep terror. Yes. Then The Trench, Meg 2, although it is being released as hmm. Meg 2, The Trench. The Trench, yes. There is Meg Primal Waters, Meg Hell's Aquarium, Meg Origins, <laughs> Meg Night Stalkers, Meg Generations, Meg Angel of Death Survival, and Meg Purgatory. I got curious. How is there not a Meg Tokyo Drift? I'm just right. I'm just I got curious, so I had to look yeah. up the plot of one of these. So Okay. And this is for Hell's Aquarium, which is the best title. Oh, good, because that is the uh, best title, yes. Angel, the recaptured 76-foot, 100,000-pound megalodon, has birthed a litter of pups, five females, far too numerous and aggressive to keep in one pen. A solution. A Dubai royal prince is building the largest aquarium in the world. It must be pretty <laughs> fucking large, man. It's Dubai, so yeah. And seeks to purchase plausible. two of the runts of the litter. Mm -hmm. The deal hinges on hiring Jonas Taylor's 21-year-old son, David. Jonas still in the picture there. Oh, okay. To be their trainer. Jonas reluctantly agrees. And David goes off to Dubai for the summer of his life, not realizing he's being set up to lead an expedition that will hunt down and capture the most dangerous creatures ever to inhabit the planet. Wow. So, and I believe... Okay. I know the twist here, which is there's even bigger sharks. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I think that's how the whole series goes. <laughs> so I like the idea that in the Meg, we have actually seen the smallest sharks we're going to see in the franchise. So they that's just actually get bigger. The whole, the whole book bigger. series is the fish eating the fish illustration. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, that's the trailer for, the, for Meg too, also, which is yeah. genius. I have to say, it's actually a pretty good trailer. But uh, I like the idea of like the Meg eventually becoming so big it's like an aircraft carrier size or something. We'll have to, we'll have to see if it gets to that level. All right. I actually was almost going to put the Pippin as a Chekhov's What's It, but Pippin doesn't really it, – it's early. It's too late in the film to be a Chekhov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also it doesn't really go off. It's just a nice little resolution. Uh, spoiler alert for Pippin fans out there. But we do have a Chekhov's What's It section, Dan. Yes, this is the thing that often appears in the first act of a film and or book that winds up being relevant or a callback in the third act. Anna, what do you have? Chekhov's super annoying billionaire. <laughs> Rain Wilson does make him pretty annoying, actually. So, yeah. And he, there's yeah. a bit of a like, it's a sort of something on the wall that goes off situation. It's a little, yeah. You know, he's here. He's he's uh, he, he's you know, he's up to no good. You don't know quite how. And then exactly. I admit I was a little surprised by what exactly he did that was no good. So well, because it doesn't make sense, Dan. That's why. That's part of it, yes. Yeah. I have Chekhov's raised eyebrows, which we see first from the eight-year-old and then finally from Jonas at the very end. Yes. Uh, eight-year-old, we're going to talk more about her. Oh, we are. We are. We are, we are. But first, we should talk about the plot. Let's get to act one. I guess we need a backstory. Jonas Taylor is just your average deep-sea rescue team leader with a cockney accent and abs of steel on him. He's trying to rescue a crew from a sub that's bottomed out in the ocean. And it's bad, Anna. It's real bad. Something seems to attack the sub and compress the hull. Jonas makes the tough call to leave with the rescue sub, abandoning nine men, including two rescue teammates, behind. That's going to haunt him. Especially when his account of what happened is dismissed by fellow survivor Dr. Heller, who diagnoses Jonas with pressure-induced psychosis. <laughs> sure. Okay. I like the vagueness of that. I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's quasi-plausible is the way I would put it. Yes, sure. Five years later, a plutocrat named Morris has founded Mana One, a deep-sea science vessel led by Dr. Zhang, his oceanographer daughter Suyin, and his precocious eight-year-old granddaughter Mei Ying. 
Their team, led by operations manager Mac and engineers Jax and DJ, send an exploratory vessel to the Mariana Trench to see if what everyone thought was the seabed floor is at really just a thermocline of hydrogen sulfide. Science, Dan. <laughs> yes. Anyway, turns out the answer is yes, Anna. There's a whole different ecosystem down under. Jonas's ex-wife, Lori, and two techs named Toshi, and I swear to God, the second one's name is The Wall, investigate. But then something big knocks their ship around, depriving them of power. Just before the transmission feed is cut, Lori says Jonas was right. Zhang and Mac trek to Thailand in said helicopter that Anna referenced before to coax a dissolute Jonas back to help rescue the team. I'm always somewhat amused when The Rock or some other rip dude, you know, like friend of the pod, Gerard Butler, are supposed to be playing scientists, you know, or experts with some kind of deep level of expertise. Uh, how well do you think Statham pulled it off? Dan, are you saying that scientists and academics are not normally swole? We're secretly swole on secretly it. We don't like to brag about swole it. of the mind. Yes, exactly. We're mind swole. Yes, <laughs> mind yes. swole. Yeah, also, I mean, I understand what you're saying here. I do think that experts don't always, you know, wall themselves off in labs. Uh, they're not experts always, are not always nerds. That is a fair point. They're not always yes. nerds. Yes. I, I, at some point, maybe want to talk to you more about the movie The Deepest Breath, which I am sort of in the middle of watching. It's a documentary mm. about free diving. Mm. And it's terrifying. Oh. But I thought of the movie, not just because they both are, you know, open water, but there's like experts in free diving who are pretty, pretty swole. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> they, they look good. They put their life in other people's hands and, and on a regular basis and almost die all the time, but they're very swole. I also think that Statham does pretty good. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think in this particular kind of expert character, he he carries it off. I mean, I think I, the way, you know what, let, let me preface, or let me, let me amend this. I think you're right because there's two different ways in which you can have an expert or like a character, like, or someone like Statham playing expert. The first kind of expert is literally a scientist, Yeah. you know, and like the rock in rampage is like that, which is also what makes it pretty. And Gerard Butler in, in Greenland. Geo, Geostorm. Oh, Geostorm. Yes. Okay. Geostorm. Yes, yes, exactly. But then there's the second kind of expert and actually, Jonas is the second kind of expert, really, which is a more blue collar type where they get their hands dirty. They know like a system and so forth. And so I think you're right. In that sense, Statham works well there. That's fine. He also, yeah, he, he brings the blue collar thing. And also I think Jason Statham, the way he carries himself, you believe he knows things that you don't. Yeah, that's a good way. But he has a little smile to himself some, during a lot of this film. And that actually works in terms of what the character is supposed to be. Yeah, doing, I think so. Thinking. Yeah. Your question about you know, who should play experts and whatnot in this particular mm -hmm. role Yeah, did make me think about who would be like a serious actor that might be amusing to see in this role. Okay. Do, and for some reason got? I thought of Christian Bale. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. It would be such a depressing film. Like, <sighs> like, like Christian Bale is a great actor, uh -huh. but the thing he doesn't do is smile to himself. That's, That's the th like, and and I think you need that with a with a movie like this. I can see Christian Bale totally going off on a crew member though while this film is being made. <laughs> I will say, just gonna leave it there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get to Act Two. Cue the giant squid. The wall gets the exploratory vessel's power online. As their lights come on, however, the vessel is hit again by something really big. 
Lori gets stabbed by a screwdriver and their oxygen depletion rate accelerates. Suyin decides to attempt a rescue on her own. Jonas arrives and descends as well, diverting all power to the engine to dive faster. Suyin spots the damaged vessel, and just as she's about to dock with it, her glider is attacked by, of course, a giant squid. It's about to crush Suyin's ship when a giant megalodon shark, and I'm sorry, let me say this in Jason Statham voice, it's a megalodon shark, <laughs> kills the squid. The Meg is about to kill Suyin's ship as well when Jonas arrives and fires flares to distract the shark. Jonas is then able to rescue Lori and the wall, but Toshi sacrifices himself to distract the Meg long enough to save the others. Back on Mono One, the crew debate what to do about the existence of the Meg. With Morris wanting to push harder and rebrand it as the X and see if people want to do their banking with... Oh, I'm sorry, Anna. I got that confused <laughs> with another billionaire. I apologize. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, that debate becomes totally moot when the Meg exits the thermocline and attacks Mana One after killing a few whales. The station remains intact, but then the shark goes and destroys three nearby shark fin fishing ships, and they decide that they have to kill it. They didn't, leave didn't think off. about saying that before you wrote it, did you, Dan? I yeah, I, <laughs> shark I, did fin, I pull it off? Shark yeah, fin fishing ships. Shark fin fishing ships. I can totally do this. <laughs> they leave on a ship called the Charlotte. Jonas is able to fire a tracker at the Meg's dorsal fin and is pulled back onto the ship just before the Meg can eat him. Phew. Anna, let's talk about Su Yin barging into Jonas's room while he's wearing nothing but a towel. What, I have what, two was questions. there a scene? Sorry. That, no. Yeah, Can there I, was a scene. You remember this scene. <laughs> let's be very clear. I'm going to be, you know, you know I, I, I guess I have two questions for you. First, are dissolute drunks usually that rip because Dear God, Jason Statham has got like maybe zero body fat in that shot. And second, watching this, and I confess, this might be my fragile male ego, like doing some work for me. I kept thinking about something that Amy Schumer once said in an interview about dating dudes with zero body fat like that. She apparently analogized it to like trying to snuggle up with an ice sculpture. (laughs) Can you confirm or deny? I'm just sort of curious, you know. Well, as an expert on drunks. Okay. I can can call bullshit on Jonas looking like any drunk I've ever known. I mean, if you are right. wealthy enough and you are, you know, cosseted enough by other people, it, I guess it's possible theoretically to somehow keep up, but not that. But no, this, sorry, that not, that. not Jonas in this. Not yeah, that. Yeah. No, yeah. not that. I mean, not yeah. in that level of, of cutness and swellness. Because yes, he no. is cut. Yeah. He does not look yeah. like someone waking up on their own piss on a regular basis, which right, is what exactly. true desolate drugs look like. He actually seems like he's having an okay time. In Thailand. That's actually yep. a problem in the movie, I think. <laughs> that yes, like- that was true. I mean, seems, with the exception of the beers, like, you know, even like he's really just yeah, drinking a beer. Like, you don't seem like drunk drunk. He's just kind of like, yeah. hey, he's just, you know, hanging out. He's like- he's pretty mellow, actually. You know, it's like it's like he's chilling. Yeah, I agree. What I thought of in, in, in when you asked that question was uh, the scene in Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Do you know this scene? Oh, sure. Yeah. The, is he, it the dirty dancing scene? Yeah, where he takes off his clothes and she just starts laughing. Oh, yeah, that's right, right. He's ridiculous. And I that has happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Where I have I have been in a romantic situation with a dude who seems pretty good looking, but then takes off his clothes and I'm like, oh wow, like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not quite like my tongue rolls out of my mouth and my eyes bug out like bug bug bugs bunny, but you know, that's not me. I didn't Mm -hmm. I don't look like that. And I'm fine. I understand. I am totally fine in the sense that I've I 
you know, I am uh, straight sized, as they sometimes say, I can pass. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to be on a calendar anytime soon. And I think that just personal experience, it's sometimes kind of weird and mm -hmm. insecure making to be with someone who could possibly be on a calendar of some sort. But I think that's being a lady. Yeah. Also, I'm going to point out in fairness, you know, in the within the context of the movie, I think Ling Ling Bai could easily be on a calendar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, you know, like there, there's, 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 there's no equal one's gonna levels be, of No hotness. one's going to be insecure in that relationship about is my body as good as that person's. Right. Right. Yes. So, you know, those, those two crazy kids could work it out as well. Now, I did have one boyfriend tell me something that made me feel better. <laughs> oh, okay. Do tell. <laughs> Which is that in confessing, like, you know, I'm, I'm just never going to have the kinds of, you know, I don't remember exactly how I put it, but it's clear. Like one of us is like working out all the time and has testosterone. And so mm -hmm. muscles are rock hard and mine are like, whatever, right. how much I work out. I'm never going to look like that unless I'm, yeah. you know, professional. Person. Unless you're juicing. Right. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I don't want to be with someone who has to measure their food. And I was like, I like that. He was like, I want to, I want to nice. date someone who can eat what they want to eat. And doesn't mm. have to like think because he, he was like because being incredibly fit and he was just fit fit not like Jason Statham fit. He okay. was like being that level of fit is a full time job. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's not fun yeah. to be with someone who is that level of fit. So <laughs> okay, thank you. My fragile male ego has been reassured. I appreciate that conversation. On All right, cool. All right, let's get to act anytime, three. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Act three, what if I told you there were multiple Megs? Suyin goes underwater in a plexiglass cage surrounded by chum to shoot the Meg with a lethal dart. Sure enough, a Meg shows up. Suyin hits the shark with the dart, but the Meg tries to swallow the entire cage, cracking Suyin's mask in the process, causing her to lose oxygen. As it swims away from the boat with it, Jonas dives into the water and gets her out of the cage. The Meg returns and looks all set to attack Jonas and Suyin, but it gets snagged on the cage's tow line and finally dies from the poison. Mission accomplished, or so it seems. While they're goofing around and posing with the dead Meg, a Mega Meg leaps out of the water and devours the wall, the dead Mini Meg, and critically wounding Zhang while destroying the Charlotte. Heller then sacrifices himself in the water to save Jax. They get on the rescue dinghies and head back to Mana 1. A helicopter called by Morris on his sat phone shoots a tracking dart and then strafes the Mega Meg. Back on the station, Morris says he's alerted the regional governments and orders an evac ship to take everyone off the station the next morning. Anna, is it me or is the biggest problem in this film not the plot, not the kind of cardboard thin characters who were being honest, but that the CGI shark just wasn't quite believable enough? It's a problem. For yeah. sure. I, I think that a lot of this movie is pretty competent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is what it's, you need in a B yeah. movie, right? You yeah. just need competence. Right. It doesn't have the swing for the fences factor that you and I both like in right. good, bad movies. Mm -hmm. It misses that. Like, no, there, there's a lack of ambition here. Yeah. It's just trying to be a good movie, and it's it's right. kind of a good and, movie. And there's nothing, by the way. There's I, like I, you know, just to indicate, not every movie should be a swing for the fences movie. Right. I I like my B entertainment as well, so that's fine. Right. I do want to point out that you know Jaws is an interesting mm -hmm. counter example or, or right. counter story to this because you know right that the reason why Jaws is as brilliant as it is is because the shark was bad. 
Right. And Spielberg recognized that he couldn't, like, I think it was called Bruce. Yeah. That uh, Bruce the shark, basically, he, the reason that film works is we barely see Bruce for the first two thirds of the film. And I think in some ways the mistake in this film is in fact that the Meg is revealed much earlier than I, than I think I would have, if I was directing it or if I was like choosing it, I would want. And that's one of the issues, I think. I mean, it's just a totally different kind of movie, but I, I think yeah. it's, it's, you know, it was Spielberg's first big movie. It was like his, his first uh, film. Like his, before that, he'd only made Duel. No, no, um, no. No, he made Sugarland Express before. But oh, like, that's right. That's this, right. This was his first summer blockbuster, though. His yeah. first summer blockbuster. His this first, is the first summer blockbuster. The first period. summer blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting just to sort of look as far as like Swing for the Fences goes. The, mm-hmm. the, what, you, what you start out with and what you get. It's like the Meg starts big and stays the same. Right. Mm. Like it's like mm-hmm. they were trying to make a, a blockbuster and they they made a blockbuster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Spielberg was not given the kind of resources to make something as, as big as it was. And he just turned he did this magic to it. Right. Yeah. It's just it's it's I recently watched a documentary about the making of Jaws. So I guess I'm just kind of high on on what that story looks like in retrospect, especially. But the genius of it and the imagination that he had. Another thing that some people don't know is that they did get actual footage of sharks uh, shot in Australia um, with a smaller actor. They don't say the word small person or whatever, but they put <laughs> they put a, a shorter than usual actor in a shark cage <laughs> Oh, to make the sharks seem bigger. To make bigger. the sharks seem bigger? Wait, this is uh, for Jaws or for the men? It's for Jaws. For Jaws. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. And that the shark went up attacking the shark cage. And doing some damage to it. And they changed the script. The shark was originally going to get killed by one of the dudes in Jaws in the shark cage. That was how the the movie was going to end. The Richard Dreyfuss character. But they wanted to use the footage of the shark getting away because it was so good. Oh, well, that's, uh, you know what? That's great because the film definitely improves with that extra 10 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad that worked out. Just a little side on Jaws. Yeah, which is a better movie than what we're talking yeah. about. But that's it. The movie's perfectly fine. Let's close out the plot with Act 4, Panicked Screaming, which I did laugh at because I was watching this with closed captioning and that occasionally just pops Only way up. to watch. Yeah. It turns out, Anna, that Morris lied. Rather than tell any government authorities, he's decided to use his own resources to kill the Mega Meg to avoid litigation. This includes things like jerry-rigged depth charges. It's Guess a, what, It's a Anna? nonsensical yeah. part of the movie to me. Like, I... It's a twist. It's a weird twist. It's a f- kind of fun twist. Oh, the billionaire is bad. Yay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, Which you sensed all along, I would but, add. But, you know. Did, no, I'm sorry to stop you here, but isn't it weird? Yeah. Like, this is a weird turn. Like The only, I live this way. I, I kind of bought it in the sense that, I mean, the, the, the line of dialogue that sort of is, is supposed to explain it away is basically, if they kill the shark, then no governments know about what happens, which means presumably he's somehow invulnerable to litigation yeah I'm that's the part that makes sure. sense to me and also like yeah he's gonna get sued over the oh he would totally get sued yeah but like oh i mean think of the things those people must have had to sign to work in an underwater laboratory dan that is fair yes yes i like i, I grant you that it's not i mean entirely... think of that fucking sub that exploded which i thought of in the first part of this movie the rich mm-hmm. guy with the joystick sub that saying oh yeah the titanic one yeah yeah. think yeah, about the yeah. thing that those people had to sign to get on that sub <laughs> yeah fair enough although this is a little more extravagant but uh but well but actually i, the, I still think the there's a lot thing, of a lot of don't sue us clauses I, for the science if we're gonna go 
All right, let me put it this way. If we're going to go to plausibility on it, the other thing that I was not entirely sure of is why Morris bankrolled this in the first place. Like, there is never a discussion of how this is supposed to make money. And it seems clear that that's what he's expecting it's going to happen. And so, yeah. I guess recent news events have actually (laughs) made me less certain that billionaires are really interested in making money. (laughs) Touche. Touche. I mean, Fair once enough. they've got it, I guess. I don't know. Or that they put much Anna, thought into their investments. That is an excellent point. See what I did there? Yes. Okay. Anyway, guess what? Morris's decision to go after the shark himself doesn't go well, Anna. The chopper that he hires kills a whale instead of the Meg, and Morris dies when the shark eats him along with the whale. The crew on Mono One tries to warn the governments themselves, but unfortunately no one is buying their prehistoric shark bullshit. They gear up the evac ship to take out the Meg, which is headed for Sanya Bay, which is a you know sort of resort in mainland China. The Mega Meg has less fun in Sanya Bay than you might expect. It disrupts a wedding at sea, it wreaks some havoc near the shore, maybe it swallows a few swimmers before the Mono One crew uses a whale call to divert its attention towards them. Taylor and Suyin use gliders to try to kill a shark, but Jonas's missile misfires and Suyin breaks off her attack to save the others when a helicopter crashing into their ship forces everyone into the water. Jonas, however, slices the shark's underbelly with his glider and then stabs it in the eye. The Megameg's blood attracts a swarm of modern sharks that devour the dying Megalodon. Jonas, Suyin, Meiying, and the rest are all rescued by the wedding ship. And you'll be happy to know, Pippin, the dog, also lives. And Finn. Anna, I know you're not traditionally crazy about children in general, but particularly child actors. But I got to say, I actually thought Sophia Kai was extremely good as Mei Ying. In fact, I particularly liked it. There's a scene where she's playing cards with uh, Lori, the ex-wife, and like Lori tells her to get sodas, and she's like, fine. And she like marches out and goes, fine, 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 fine. It's like a small little note, but it was actually really charming. And so... I thought she was quite good. She might have been my favorite character. Like, oh, that, is, wow, okay. that okay. is like how good I think she was. I, That's just, good. She's really kind of a magical little character. character yeah. that, she's really kind of a effervescent presence, right? Like, yes, and actually, I, I, would, I would agree. And also, she, she and Statham actually have a nice little repartee. They do. Which is, it, which is lovely, yes. They have a couple of really cute scenes together. Mm-hmm. They have a good vibe. She, I believe her and him more than I believe her and him. Ling Ling Bai. Yes, no, no, no. It, it, like Su Yin. I, mean, I believe. Sam- I don't. I mean, I believe their relationship, not obviously no, the romantic I understand part of what it. You're but saying. Yeah, yeah. Let me put it this way: the, the way I would put it is that is that is that Mei Ying and Jonas have more chemistry together in terms of just vibing off each other, whereas with Su Yin and and Jonas. I kind of feel like the director was like, if we just keep throwing them in enough scenes, it's sort of like something if, will happen. If, if to make a very current reference, if when you're yeah. a kid and you bang your Ken and Barbie together, like <laughs> thinking like this is how grownups kiss. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I felt like they were just kind of like being like faces banged together, kind of like that level of chemistry, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which actually, just talk about the acting just a little bit. Sure. In general. I think Statham is good. I think Sophia Kai is good. Yeah. I think Rain Wilson is good. I mean, I the, the acting is mostly just okay. I think yeah, actually it's not, Statham and Sophia Kai actually are the two best in it. 
I agree. Let me say this. I don't normally like Ruby Rose as an actress. Oh, I'm not. She's you know what? not. What? Yes. Yes. But I actually did. I was okay with her in this one. Like she actually has a personality in this one. And a lot of the movies she's been in, she somewhat, for some reason, like plays very stone faced people. And like this one, she actually was mar- moderately interesting. I don't know. I agree. I feel bad for her for that hair. I think someone <laughs> did that to her. It's not her fault. I think, I think someone actually makes a joke about that in yeah. the movie. Yeah, 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 who yeah. did that to you? And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. some. She did not. She did not do her hair like that. I do not right. believe. Yeah. I did have to look up because there's so many tattoos. Like she has, like just the character has all these yeah. tattoos, and I was like, those are they all hers? They are. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, I'd be like that amount of time and makeup it would take. Like if you had a, if you made your character have that many tattoos, and it's just like kind of not really a main character. The poor yeah. makeup staff. The, poor, the like, other thing. The other thing I will say. And didn't have to the cover other, them either, like they have to do with Ben Affleck's and why the makeup people hate him. <laughs> it's true. The other thing I will say is, to be fair to Ling Ling Bai, I, I think actually we, her, the most affecting scene is actually when she and her father are talking, when her father is about to die. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that scene actually works, that it's in Mandarin. Yeah. Because it's clear, like, they're just acting then. It's not like either of them trying to speak English and getting the intonation right. And I, I You know, it, it's, it's well done. And that's another thing about the movie that I think you don't, it's either you, you kind of notice it because it's rare in English speaking movies to have two characters, even if they are not native English speakers, mm-hmm. speak to each other in their native language. Yeah. You yeah. usually just continue to speak in English, right? Like right. even if you're on yeah. screen, just the two of you. <laughs> Let me wait. That's a case you where. Continue to speak in English. Right. In that is movie, a case. It's noticeable that they don't continue to speak in English. I agree. And that's also a case where it's clearly simultaneously they're trying to get mainland Chinese to, to watch the film, but also it's entirely appropriate that they do yeah. that. That that makes total sense. So like, yeah, no, I well noticed done. it. Like when she and yeah. Mei Ling are talking to each other in Mandarin, part of yeah. me was like, that is how a mother and daughter, like that's how it would work. Right. right. Although it's right. also noticeable yeah. just because we Westerners are so used to it. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of how things work, Dan. Yes, Anna. Is there IR in this actual movie? Anna, you're going to ask me a question, and I'll say no. You're going to offer me money. I'll still say no. Then you're going to appeal to my Kantian nature, (laughs) and I'm going to say no, because I don't have one. But for old time's sake, I'll proffer an answer, which is that there's a smidgen of IR in this film, but way less than there is in the making of this film. Do you practice, Dan? I didn't. Was that okay? It's that good. Okay? It's good. I like okay. it. I like right. it. Okay. I like it. Right. I, I mean, we'd have to come up with like a rating scale for you and the accent that you attend. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Right, that you was know. good. That was good. Let's scale them into 10. A scale of like, well, let's see, like your Trump one, eh, mm. you know, maybe not your best work. That one's, mm. that one's definitely like excellent in the plus side. Okay. I might've practiced a little. Okay. Honestly, the IR in this film is just very minute. And, and, you know, like, could Jonas beat up Heller because they're in international waters? Maybe, sure, but I'm pretty sure the ship is, or the station is registered somewhere. And, like, you know, there's probably it's some not- litigation <laughs> that, that would be able that to be happen. People yeah. think that international waters just means free for all. <laughs> right. It's just like his magic state. You know, it's like it's like uh, in the office when, when Michael Scott declares bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. like, I declare bankruptcy. It's like, it's like this magic thing of we're in international waters. We can do whatever we want. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, like situa- <laughs> <laughs> it's a purge situation on it. You know, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that doesn't work. 
Is the dialogue, you know, when Jang says, you know, we did what people always do, discover and then destroy, supposed to be a comment about colonialism? Maybe, although I'm going to point out Jang has no leg to stand on in making this argument, since after all, he's built the goddamn station and is trying to explore the thing that they wind up exploring. So, like, the idea that Jang is somehow blameless in this, nope, 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 nope. Does the Meg represent Mother Nature attacking mankind for its hubris and wastefulness? Maybe that's what the film is like vaguely referencing, but you know, much like they clone Tyrone, it like the idea doesn't quite cohere. Yeah. Um, but let's just say they clone Tyrone. It's much, much better. better film. It's <laughs> yes, yes. Now, as I said, the real IR is the IR in the making of the film rather than what's yeah. in the film. It's the myriad ways the script and the director tried to get enough China content into it to make sure that it would appeal to an international audience, particularly Chinese. And in that sense, mission accomplished, as I said. So, yeah. But Anna, I have a question for you. Yes, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, I'm not crazy. I just seen things. I was about to go Texan. <laughs> I just saying things no one else has had. <laughs> Do you want me to say it? Do you want me to say it? <laughs> sure, you go ahead. Hold on, here we go. I'm not crazy. I've just seen things no one else has. Like a critique of capitalism in this movie. I mean, you really have to squint. Like Jason Statham <laughs> shouting at a giant shark squint. But hit it on a you're my accent stand-in. I really appreciate that, Dan. <laughs> yeah, as, as much as with the IR, like, you, mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the colonialism thing. You you mentioned briefly, is it about, is it sort of a cautionary tale, right? About Mother Nature attacking mankind. The beach scene, I think, is really interesting. In, uh, now, in Sonya Bay, yeah. Yeah. For me, it sort of shows, like, it's the terror that I personally have of crowded beaches, even without sharks, you know? <laughs> like, the commodification, the litter, there's a very pointed, I don't know if you notice, at least I noticed, it seemed pointed to me, when they do an underwater shot at Sonya, Sonyan Bay? Sonya. Son, Sonya Bay? Sonya, I think so. Yeah. Sonya Bay, where you see a bunch of litter at the bottom yes i did notice the litter yes yeah i did notice that so i mean commentary there commercialization commodification homogenization crowded beaches mm. are bad i don't know not much there i think dan this movie is an ad for capitalism that's what mm. i think i mean okay it's the power of the dollar right like <laughs> The making of this movie is also where the, the it's where the IR is and not the critique of capitalism, unless you count mm -hmm. like China's communist, which we, we can't really. That's or not. the fact that Morris is a dick or yeah. like Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. The making of this movie that is, has the IR and that is an ad for capitalism. So I will yeah. say that like, it was interesting to me that clearly you're supposed to, how do I put this? Not really like the people in Sonya Bay. I mean, like it's shot yeah. in such a way that like, you're supposed to think, Oh, okay. You know what? If the shark eats these people, that's just going to be good, clean fun. It's not going to be anything really, you know, problematic. It's almost like the movie shifts even more to a comedy, which I, I yeah. looks like Meg two might have even more. I get the comedy. impression Meg two is going for that. That's I agree with that. Yes. But yeah. again, the weird thing about the, and I, I, the Chinese viewers of this film are right. Given what we've seen the Meg do, up to that point in the film, when it actually goes to Sonya Bay, 
truthfully, not nearly as much carnage as I was expecting. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that it, the movie is, in a way, more interesting as a document itself than it is as yeah. a movie. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's, that's a fair way of putting it. I did like, I will say, I did like when they popped, like there was that guy in the bubble and the shark, like, you know, eats the bubble. That was that was funny. I'm also kind of a sucker for scenes in movies, horror movies, where they make a chaotic environment and you really don't yeah. know what, where the horror is going to come from. I mean, right. it's not a difficult goes, trick. It goes back movie, to Jaws, actually, yeah. Right. Uh, it's not a difficult trick because this movie can do it, but Jaws invented it, and mm-hmm. it works. It works. Yeah. It works. Yeah, it's actually effective. It's uh, ripping metal pressure into water. It's time for Discordant Notes. This is when we take questions from our patrons who ask them in the Discord and then answer them in the podcast. This question comes from Billy West in Space, which is basically, did we think the Meg was better or worse than Sharknado? Which is a sci-fi classic. I... Have you seen Sharknado now? Oh, I saw Sharknado. Anna, speaking of Twitter once was. Oh, back in the day. That No, I'm not kidding. I actually think the high point of Twitter was when Sharknado first aired. And like, for some reason, a lot of like us on political Twitter all started watching it at the same time. And it was just, we were just like tweeting it nonstop. I, it honestly might've been my favorite moment on Twitter ever. A good time, Stan. Yes, yes. Because it was such a dumb movie. It was such a dumb movie. I, I don't think, it doesn't appeal to me. I've never seen it, so I can't say if it's better or worse. The movies that are attempting to go for f- good, bad, explicitly, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm, are not my favorite genre. Like, I think the Meg was going for B movie, but not good, bad movie. Right, I agree. And there's yeah. a difference. Yeah. I mean, and, you're and going... So, look, yeah. Sorry, Okay, go ahead. I'll finish my thought. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, I think that the Meg is going for B movie, but not good, mm-hmm. bad movie. It's not going mm-hmm. for camp, right? Yeah. I think absolutely. camp is really tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Susan Sontag. <laughs> it, is, it is more difficult to get to than, and it's harder to get to if you're going for it super consciously, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Sharknado never really appealed to me. I think that the, to the extent the Meg really works, it's actually in a, a little bit that it it tries to be what it is. Like it's yeah. just trying to be like a, a monster movie. It's not mm-hmm. being trying to be too self-referential or too clever or, mm-hmm. or have too many like super funny deadpan lines. There's a couple of good lines. Some of them intentionally good. Some of them trying to be good and not. But actually mm-hmm. I would say that, that the writing is just, it's again, serviceable. It's just trying to be what it is. Whereas right. something like Sharknado... It's trying to be funny. Yes. And I don't, so, I don't know. It makes me sad sometimes to watch movies that are trying to be funny. So I would put it this <laughs> way. Art. Sorry, in art. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I get it. First of all, Shark, this film is technically just a much better film. Like, you know, there's yeah. actual underwater scenes. You know, the acting is in general better. You know, the, the special effects, even with the CGI shark, are, are much better. There's actual crowd shots and, and so on and so forth. And as you're right, the difference is that Sharknado is aiming at camp. I will say Sharknado kind of succeeded at the camp level in a surprising way. And again, I you know maybe it's just because of the implausibility of a shark tornado, which is what the film was. By the way, the one thing the two things films have in common, they both end with Finn. You know, they oh. both end with like the the shot of FI, which is just I I find very amusing. Yeah. But I will just say that you know, 
maybe watching it on my own Sharknado was a little more fun or I don't know, connecting via Twitter. Like I, I've it, partially, it's the different memories. So I, I, it, I think you're right though. They're two different things. The Meg is a B film. That's really as much of an action film more than anything else. Sharknado is intended for camp. So yeah. yeah. I think oh. we answered his question, Dan. <gasps> oh. What's that? Wait, something's hitting us below the Mariana Trench. Something big, Anna. He's, a, he's a whale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to refield. Yep. We talk about the stuff we didn't already get a chance to talk about. I have some stuff, Dan. Do you have some stuff? I do have some stuff. I can start this right. time. One thing which you get, like, just the degree to which they're trying to cater to the Chinese market. Honestly, what was hysterical was in the very beginning of the film, like it, like it cuts to five years later after the sort of backstory thing. They show a shot of the Shanghai skyline. They say Shanghai. You see a helicopter leaving Shanghai, and that is the last we see of Shanghai. There was no reason to inform us that that was Shanghai. Like literally the helicopter then lands at Mono One. That's where the rest of the film takes place. I have no idea why they had the establishing shot for Shanghai, except they needed an establishing shot of a Chinese city. It was just very funny they did that. Dan, there was a... It wasn't space computer automation saying something silly, Ooh. but there was computer automation saying something silly. Did you notice? Okay, I think I might have. I, I, I noticed something else. You tell me what System go for descent. Oh, System no, go no. for descent. <laughs> System go for descent. Oh, that's System, right. Yes. I'm going to keep doing it because it keeps going. That's, well, that was because Jonas is having his his right. his one second of PTSD before he goes down. But yes. also, mm-hmm. I don't think that's how computer automated systems work. They they just keep repeating to you that the system is go for descent. True. Also, I'm just thinking that repeating is not going to help Jonas's state of mind. Like, no, you know, it's not. And also, it, it's, there's pointless. You don't need to be told. Yeah. Your system is go for. De- it's not like so. I have my fancy, my very fancy refrigerator dings if you leave the door open. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got but that. it only keeps it keeps dinging because you need to be alerted to do something to change it. Right, right? exactly. It's it saying ready to go. You don't need to have anything else. Yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yep, absolutely fair. There you go. Speaking of of computer stuff, I, I don't know if you noticed this when when they finally realize it's a megalodon. They show a video of a megalodon shark, like you like there's actually a computer screen where like yeah. the shark is swimming for some reason. I don't know why. I just found that was hysterical. You know. Like, yeah, I, I like, liked that because it looked like off. it was from like nationalgeographic.com or something. Like it right, seems exactly. like it was like some random thing someone pulled up on the web to like. Yes, like, it was just like this is what oh, we're after. We totally have a file of a megalodon. Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not that the science in this film should be even talked about, but <laughs> really, no. There is a. There's also in the system go for descent. Not only does he then descend, he descends really fast. Right. It's right. all the power into the descent. Ad, yeah. Descent. I mean, they're like, oh no, he's going to stroke out because he's going down so fast, and his nose bleeds. Dan, the reason why people go to ocean depths in submarines mm-hmm. is that they're pressurized vessels. So it's almost like it doesn't matter how quickly is, they... Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Huh. Wow, <laughs> science, Anna. I didn't realize that. That's, pr- that's inside, see, inside the vessel is the atmosphere that you need, and it doesn't change. That's the whole point of... Ha- no, sorry. It it's okay. didn't bother me. Of all the things I, that bother me. This is what the debris field is about, Anna. That's it's, right. It's where we get to. It's the stuff that so, shouldn't bother us, but does. Yes. So as I said, I referenced before the the sort of Zhang's death scene, and it was like a nice acting moment between the two Chinese stars. The thing that I was amused by is that it was also clearly an Asian tiger dad moment, because if you recall, like, you know, 
you know, uh, Suyin says, I never felt like I could live up to you. And Jang finally says, no, you've lived up to me. You, in fact, exceeded me. And it was just, I don't know why. Like, I was like, oh, that is a very Chinese death scene is, is all I wanted to say. There. There is a lot of improbable survival in this mm-hmm. movie. There's a lot oh, of yeah. close calls and a yes. lot of things where you're like, if the shark was really that dangerous, they, they would be dead by now. Honestly, like, legit they, impressed Jack survives. Like, she should have died was at least actually, three times. Yeah. That was that was she's uh, her scenes are one of the reasons I was I was going to point out that they give each other a lot of advice about safety in the water that <laughs> actually <laughs> given the mag would be pointless. <laughs> like there's a lot of the whole like I think it comes from Jaws. I'm not even sure if it's true. Like just move calmly and slowly, and the shark won't see you. <laughs> right. I do wonder. Do you th- do you wonder if there was like was it, okay? And I'm gonna probably butcher this word. I believe a shark expert is an ichthyologist. Yeah, I think that is it. Yes. I wonder if there was an ichthyologist consultant for this. No, film. ichthyologists were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> man. I, I'm sure what they want to say is no ichthyologists were involved in the making of this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm going to grant that maybe this is a Gen X thing because I think it's been proven to be somewhat exaggerated. But I have to admit, it bothered me incredibly when that kid goes into the water and he's still eating. I kept thinking, come on, come on. You got to wait a half hour. All right. You're going to cramp up. Otherwise don't do that. Why are you going in the water and eating something? And then my favorite part is that after the Meg swims through, they cut back to him. He's still eating. Yeah. I, you know, it, it does bother me. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm not a mother as we all know, but <laughs> I guess a tiny bit of maternal concern. There we go. The kid. Okay. I did like something. Okay. That, that in the, here in the debris field, I appreciated that there's not really like a chivalrous tone to to Statham's protectivity protectivity uh, the way he tries to get Sunyin to like not do stuff like he's it's not like you're a woman you shouldn't do it he's no. just sort of I'm gonna do it because I'm yeah, yeah. the expert it, it's a it's a very subtle maybe I'm wrong but did you notice that there doesn't seem to be like a gendered I think part of you know maybe credit to to Ling Ling Bai on this one which is that she doesn't play it in a in that way either in other yeah. words she yeah, her attitude is i can do any of that you know like i'm i'm yeah it's not questioned her, her she, talents we, are never questioned right her competence is just given and like yeah. it, the way she the way she acts and the way statham acts and the way everyone else acts she's just treated as competent in terms of what she's doing and so i agree with you on that point yeah, yeah the, the reasons why he steps in at any time is actually they're pretty good reasons right like yeah. <laughs> when her ship is 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 in is a injured her ship is injured dan mm-hmm. like when something goes wrong with the glider that's when he's like yeah. you need to leave like he's also not like, you can't do this right and she's the one who goes into the the yeah. the plexiglass case he's fine with that like so you know yeah i agree that's so great. i guess i wasn't imagining things i i, I yeah. liked that that her competence good. wasn't questioned yeah my last point just you know good for pippin i was worried that pippin wasn't going to make it and glad to see that that pippin did i knew i watching this I was like oh i forgot there was a dog in this Oh, I hope that dog makes it because otherwise Anna's going to be pissed. But I was glad. Yeah, I had the same. My last note also. (laughs) For all the Pippin stands out there, I I will be uh, considerate a missed opportunity if Meg 2 does not have a callback to Pippin. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. I will bet you now, Dan, that there's a callback to Pippin. If I was making that movie, maybe Pippin 2 or something. It would be Meg 2. It would be Meg 2, the Pippining. 
Pippening. I was a Pippin two. Pippin two. The trench. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about it, Dan. Uh, I just got my notification. There's a new episode of Foundation on Ooh. Okay. Later. How are you liking? Right. How are you liking the current season? I'm liking it a little better than the last one. They've left the books far behind. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Like, as I, I think, you know, based on what I read last, you know, when we read the book, and based on what I've watched in the show. Everything I liked in the in the, the show had very little to do with the the actual book, so that is that is promising. And there's so. some there's a Lee Pace is being given some fun things to do. Correct. Also, yes. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't think I've noticed quite as acutely as you've noticed on it. But I do. Yes. I acknowledge that Lee Pace is actually what's nice to see is is which again, as you point out, they've gone way off book. Is is Salvor Gale actually? Yeah. Writing. So that's that's been lovely to see as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we got to get to that. Um, we have some mm-hmm. other stuff we're getting to, including, as we've said, Meg 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, until then, Dan. Keep this channel open for more.